Hello, and welcome to this Solus Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solaschurch.com. All right, so our series is entitled Majoring in the Minors. What we're going to be seeking to do over the next 12 weeks is uncovering the major messages of the 12 minor prophets. Now, it's important to start with the question of what is a prophet? What is a prophet? Uh, Really important. We see these as figures in Israel's history. We see an expression of this even in the New Testament, but we're looking specifically at prophets in the Old Testament. So we're getting right to work here. Welcome to school. Welcome to class. Okay, we're getting right back to it. Uh, And here's a a simple definition of what a prophet is. Uh, Mike, can we get a black background on that? So we can, yeah. Give it up for Mike, guys. Mike's the man. Mike's the man. Let's see. Hey, oh, okay. Awesome. Yay. All right, OT, OT prophet stands for Old Testament prophet. And here's what a prophet is in scripture and, and was in the history of Israel. A prophet was a man or woman called by God simply to speak his word to his people. God would speak to his people through called men and women of God, uh, specifically in the history of Israel. Now, some important points here about prophets is that they were called by God. This is really important. These aren't self-appointed individuals. These are God-anointed people. Uh, Compared to in Israel's history, you have these guys called, and even today, false prophets. Remember that a couple weeks ago, studying the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus says, beware of prophets whom I have not anointed or appointed. And they're not speaking my word, they're speaking their opinion and their word and how they see it. But a prophet was uniquely called by God. Often there was like a vision that would precede an Old Testament prophet's call. Not every time, but you look at Isaiah and Ezekiel. Talk about like trippy books. Like the stuff you see going on in there, the stuff that Isaiah saw, that Ezekiel saw, pretty crazy. It compelled their call. Now the most important thing about a prophet is what their task was. To speak God's word to his people. A lot of times in the prophets, the minor prophets, we're going to see this phrase, thus, what? Saith the Lord. It's the word of God. It's not the opinion of man, what we desperately need to hear today, and what Israel desperately needed to hear back then was the truth from the source, was the very word of God to humanity. And that's what prophets brought. I I love the way that less Horn describes it in his book, Musings on the Minor Prophets. Uh, Look at how he unpacks this. This is what he says. This is helpful. He says, it is important to clarify this point about the prophetic task. The prophet did not say, I don't like what is going on and I will speak my mind in the name of the Lord. He did not adopt a religious or philosophical standpoint and spread propaganda to involve other people in his ideology. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. He was abandoned to the word of the Lord beyond the scrutiny of his own personal ideas or safety. You could compare and contrast uh, the prophets of scripture a lot today with uh, a lot of social media content, which is very much a soapbox for my perspective. And and by the way, use your soapbox for Jesus. Okay. Use it for Jesus. But that's not what a prophet was. And this is an important, um, an important distinctive. They, They didn't have an issue and they wanted to speak into it. But the idea there, look at the end, he was abandoned, he or she abandoned to the word of the Lord. 
That is the ministry of a prophet, to be fully abandoned to the word of God, whatever God has to say, whatever the cost it's going to be to his own well-being. Uh, it was for love and for the good of others. Now, a lot of time we think of prophets, I don't know about you, but I know for me growing up, hearing the word prophet and prophecy and, and the prophetic, my mind immediately goes to like fortune telling or like foretelling future events. And though that is a major part of the minor prophets, uh, making these promises that only God could miraculously fulfill that we see fulfilled in Jesus, and that's certainly a part of it, but there's, it's, it's, we say this a lot, it's not less than that, but it's certainly more than that. The ministry of a prophet does include predictive uh, statements, but there's usually a greater context to those statements. So here are three words that help me and can help us think about the ministry and the task of a prophet in speaking God's word. Uh, prophets often speak in generally these three ways. They speak first preventatively, preventatively. The idea is that God sees his nation headed off a cliff, and so he sends someone as a watchman, as someone seeing the danger ahead, like a crossing guard for the Lord, to stand in the gap and say, stop, halt, danger ahead. Um, and this is often the case, not just of Israel, but humanity. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we just have this tendency to go in the wrong direction. You notice that? We just have this bend, like your car that hasn't got its alignment in a while. We just naturally move towards distancing and departing from the Lord. And that's certainly true of Israel's history. They're a case study of humanity. And um, because of that, God would send prophets to speak to them, to say, watch out, danger ahead. And oftentimes, this is an important distinction. Oftentimes, the people would reject the prophet because there weren't any evidences of what he was saying at the moment he was saying it. Um, it's like being sick, but not having the symptoms yet. And God sends the prophets to say, you're sick. I don't know if that's a good illustration to use in this moment. <laughs> but you get it, right? The symptoms just haven't come yet. And so it was faith to trust the word of the Lord coming through this man or woman of God. So they would speak preventatively. Uh, they would also speak prescriptively. They wouldn't just say, danger ahead. They would also give, here's how you make things right. Here's what's causing the bad direction. Here's what's causing the potential danger. And we all need people in our life who can speak that, right? How many of us know we need people in our life that, that have eyes for our blind spots and that can say, watch out. And you go, what are you talking about? No, no, no. I see where you're headed. But it's important to also say, here's the right direction. So prophets would also speak. We're going to see this in all 12 minor prophets. They'll speak prescriptively. Here's what you need to do. Here are the sins and the issues that need to be repented of. And here's how you can return to the Lord. And then lastly, what prophets are most known for is to speak predictively. Predictively. Now, this is a tricky one. First of all, because the word predictive might mean maybe, maybe not. But when we're using this word, we're talking about absolute accuracy with predicting the future. Okay, predicting with God's perspective. And what's even more tricky about this is in, in Israel and in the prophets, you have this unique paradox happening with what the prophets are going to speak about the future. Uh, on one hand, you have prof, uh, promises that contain both hope and despair. It's amazing. You read the prophets and you can go from crying to rejoicing in the same chapter. 
You're like, things are going to go bad. The Babylonians are going to wipe us out. Oh, there's a city coming that God's going to restore, and there's going to be, like, lions and, and babies laying down. Like, this is so nice, right? It goes from, like, this tone of, like, dark and stark to, like, the sun is shining and things are hopeful. Now, it's important to know that there's that paradox happening, that dichotomy, because another thing that the prophets will do is they'll speak both absolutely and conditionally about the future. People have a lot of trouble, I think, sometimes with the Bible because they don't understand that sometimes God can speak both ways. This is absolutely what's going to happen, and I'm going to even use the enemy that I'm rebuking. I'm going to use them to accomplish it. But God will also speak predictively with conditions. But if you return to me, think of Moses pleading with God to change his mind about the judgment he was going to bring on Israel for worshiping a golden calf. And Moses is just pleading with God. God, he's, he's like begging for some conditions. Think of Abraham. Remember Abraham? When he's sent to Sodom and Gomorrah, he's saying, God, just, just, if there's one righteous person, it ends up at, right? If there's just one righteous person there. So we see that with God's judgment, that there is absolute judgment. Let's establish this. Sin will not win in the end. Evil will be dealt with because God is holy, just, and righteous. Everything unseen is seen by God, and everything unseen will come before God. And if you do not have the blood of Jesus covering you, if you are not in Christ, you will face the very judgment for the sins that you and I are guilty of committing. And everyone will stand before God for that. There's absolute judgment. And let me say this, there's even absolute hope. Isn't that good to know? It is, you know, the Bible doesn't give us hopefully hope. Maybe hope. It gives us absolute hope. Like, take it to the bank. Like, you see the end from the beginning kind of hope that makes you live differently. It's amazing how you live when you expect certain things in the future to happen. We've got a case study of that in the past six months, haven't we? Okay. Now, there's also, again, that sense of conditionality. So it's absolute, judgment and hope is ahead, but there's conditions if you return, if you come back to the Lord. Okay, so um, I went over my time three minutes. I'm very sorry, okay? Um, but uh, I think you get the idea. Uh, this is an important thing to know about uh, the prophets and uh, why we're studying them. Um, so you have prophets, and in, 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 and in Israel's history, you have over 300. It's amazing. I mean, and I say over 300 because that's the most I could... When I was studying, it's the most I could come up with all the resources. We can't exactly number. Maybe there is thousands that are unnamed we don't know about. But there are a, a great number of prophets in Israel's history that God would raise up and send to speak this way to his people. Um, but you have a, a category as well. In addition to the office of a prophet, you have a category in Hebrew literature, a.k.a. the Old Testament, that is also called the prophets, Right? There are 17 books of the prophets. Let me bring up the Bible bookcase that I've been looking at since my childhood. You ever seen this thing in VBS or something? Let's go. We're going to the bookcase, okay? This is a great way to categorize how we divide up and how we organize um, our modern uh, canon of, of Scripture. Uh, you have in the Old Testament, which is the top two rows there, you have the law, you have history, you have poetry books, and then you have this big shelf here, which makes up half of the Old Testament, which is the major and minor prophets. So again, we're studying the last 12 minor prophets. And these are just 17 out of those thousands of prophets God willed that 17 of them have their words 
recorded and collected to become his inspired word. All right? And so what we're getting at here when we talk about this is a doctrine called inspiration. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture, the majors, the minors, all of them, they are given by inspiration of God. Jesus believed this and taught this. And they are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Notice this, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is important to know this. As followers of Jesus, the equipment that we need for the thing that we're trying to achieve in life, who we're called to be, it comes through the inspiration of God's word. God's word equips us. It informs us. It transforms us into the people we're called to be. And so even books, so let's go back to this, this bookshelf here. All of this is inspired scripture. We did a whole series on bibliology last year. If I know right now, you've got like all these question marks popping up in your head of like, how do you know? And weren't, were, you know, weren't the scriptures like super like uh, human? Like not superhuman, but like superhuman. Does that make sense? You know, like, wasn't, didn't man have such an influence in the Bible? 100%, right? And that's the danger you can get into with the scriptures is you either make it like all man or all God. And, and, and the Bible creates this beautiful harmony between incredibly human, supernaturally divine. God will to reveal himself through his written, collected word. And we have those two categories that make up that, the major and minor prophets. Now, when we say major and minor... Uh, it's not, it doesn't mean like lesser than, right? Like the minor leagues, you know? Got the major leagues, the major prophets, and then the minor prophets. They almost became a major prophet, all right? They didn't like go long enough or say, no, okay? The idea of major and minor is not about lesser than, it's about length. It's about being longer than. That's the idea there. Uh, and so the, the major prophets would fit on one scroll and the minor prophets would fit on the other. Good morning. Welcome to church. I've missed you guys. So good to be with you. Okay. Now, I want to say this about the Minor Prophets, specifically this section of blue books are some of the most overlooked and understudied books in our Bible. Maybe something, too, with that book, Revelation, at the end. We'll, we'll figure out what we'll do with that one day, okay? i got to figure it out first. I haven't got there yet. Okay, but you got, you got the Minor Prophets, this section, these last 12 books, which are the least studied books in the Bible, I would say. I mean, when's the last time you did an in-depth study of Habakkuk or Nahum? Or like, you know, I was just digging into Haggai this morning. Now, hopefully, right? But man, remember our, our foundation here. The Minor Prophets are not minor, they're inspired by God, and this is why we're getting into it. Here's a way that we need to think about this as we dive into the study. Minor prophets, major prophets. That should be an F. Dang it. You put all this hard work in to tell a good joke. Okay. Minor prophets, major. Whatever. Okay. Um, incredible prophets that come through God's word. Hey, I want to remind you too that Jesus himself, look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, pre-sermon. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the, what? The prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Do we see this? Jesus is like with his disciples after he's resurrected and he's taking them th through a Bible study in the Old Testament and he's going through the minor prophets. And he's showing how they speak concerning him. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, we studied this in Matthew 5, 17. He said, do not think I came to destroy the law of the prophets. 
I, I, I didn't come to create a group of people who only read the New Testament. That's what he's saying here. But I am the actual fulfillment of it. When you read the Minor Prophets, it gets you closer to Jesus. So